Good morning and welcome again. We're so glad that you're here today. We're thankful for such a beautiful day, the opportunity to be here, to worship God in spirit and in truth. We appreciate those of you who are visiting. We always want you to feel welcome here. We'd love to have you come back and be with us at every opportunity that you might have. As always, we invite those who are looking for a church home to consider the work here. It would be an honor for us to have you come and join hands with us and do all that we can together to advance the cause of Christ in this community. The passage that Ben read a moment ago in Mark chapter 9 will serve as the basis for our study today. We're going to be looking at Mark chapter 9 verses 42 through 48. Several years ago, a friend of mine asked me to accompany her to the med to visit her daughter-in-law. Her daughter-in-law was in the ICU unit and unfortunately she had been involved in a motorcycle accident. She was a passenger on a motorcycle and she and the friend that were riding together they hit a patch of gravel, the bike slipped out from under them, and they wrecked. And so I was not prepared for what I was about to see. When I got into the room, this girl had hit the pavement, obviously. Her helmet had cracked. And really, the helmet saved her life. But I have never in my life seen a head as swollen as hers. It was beyond description. If somebody had told me, now she has suffered serious head injury, it would not have done it justice. You know, some things are just beyond description. Sometimes we talk about tragedies and horrific events and the human vocabulary does not seem to do it justice. And so today in our study, I want us to talk for a minute or two about the subject of hell. Last week in our study, you remember we talked about heaven and we said that heaven might be better than you think. Today I want us to look at the other end of the spectrum. And I want us to look at it from this perspective. Hell just might be worse than you think. And so today in our study we're going to be talking about the subject of hell. And I understand that any time you talk about a subject like this, immediately thoughts began racing through the mind. And many of us would just as soon not think about this subject. As a matter of fact, it is not a subject that I like to preach. It's not something that I enjoy preaching about. But I understand that it is a biblical subject. It is a subject that we need to contemplate. We need to weigh very carefully. 
And so with that in mind, I want us to think for a minute or two about the fact that hell may just be worse than you think. I want to begin by talking about the actual place called hell. You know, the Bible talks in a very graphic way about the reality of hell. Now, I know that there are a lot of folks in the world today, they dismiss the subject with the wave of a hand. And there are a lot of jokes made about the subject of hell. A Harris poll was conducted in 2013. And a number of adults were polled about the subject of hell. 58% said that they believe in the place that the Bible describes as hell. Now that would suggest that 42% do not believe. I have a book in my library. It was written by an individual named Bertrand Russell. And really the thrust of the book, the title of the book, is Why I Am Not a Christian. And he seeks to provide a number of reasons to his readers as to why he is not a follower of Christ. And one of the reasons that he cites in his book as to why he does not believe in Jesus is because Jesus believed in a place called hell. Well, you have to decide do you believe what the Bible says or do you not? Now, as we think about the subject, 12 times the term hell or in the original Gehenna is found in the New Testament. Out of those 12 times, Jesus speaks of this place 11 times which suggests to me that the subject that we're talking about is not just a biblical subject, but an important one. Now, when we talk about the subject of hell and the reality of hell, it's interesting to note in our text Jesus said in verse 43, if your hand makes you sin, cut it off. It is better for you to enter into life maimed than having two hands to go to hell or to go to Gehenna. Into the fire that never shall be quenched, where the worm does not die and the fire is not quenched. What about those who will one day reside in hell? Does the Bible tell us about those who will one day spend, as we say, eternity in hell? And the answer is yes. You need to understand that hell was not prepared for any person. In Matthew chapter 25 at verse 41, Jesus said, speaking to those on his left hand, and the picture here is that of the judgment. Depart from me, you cursed, 
into everlasting fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. If I understand what Jesus was saying, he's telling us, he's telling people of all ages that hell was specifically designed for the devil and his angels. The devil, as you well know, rebelled against Almighty God and was cast down. So what about those who will reside in hell? First, those who have never obeyed the gospel, they would be identified as alien sinners. They have never come in contact with the cleansing power of the blood of Christ. The Bible tells us in 2 Timothy chapter 2 at verse 10 that salvation is in Christ Jesus. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Luke records in Acts chapter 4 verse 12, neither is there salvation in any other. There is no other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. And so, those who will one day spend eternity in hell have never come to the realization, number one, that they're in sin. And the Bible says all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. They've never availed themselves of the cleansing power of the blood of Christ. Now Jesus said, except you believe that I am he, you will die in your sins. We talk about the deity of Christ and understanding that Jesus is exactly who he claimed to be. If we do not believe that Jesus is the Son of God, the Lord said, you'll die in your sins. And if you die in your sins, he said, where I am, there you cannot come. And the Lord will be in heaven. The Bible also tells us that we must be willing to repent. Jesus said, except you repent, you will all likewise perish. The Bible says that God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. 2 Peter 3 verse 9. So those who fail to put their trust in Jesus as the Son of God and repent of their sins, they have no hope. But we're not finished. You see, the Bible tells us not only must we believe Jesus to be the Son of God and repent of our sins, but we have to be immersed in a watery grave of baptism in order that our sins would be forgiven or washed away. On the day of Pentecost, Peter said, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins. In Mark 16, verse 16, Jesus said, He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. He that believeth not shall be condemned. Those who do not obey the gospel do not have the blood of Christ cleansing them from all sin. When we're baptized into Christ, we contact the blood. We have to go where it was shed. It was shed in his death, John 19, 34. So Paul said, know ye not that all we who are baptized into Christ were baptized into his death. It is at that point that we enjoy the washing away of our sins, Acts 22 at verse 16. 
The Bible says that it's in Christ that we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace. John said unto him who loved us and washed us from our sins by his own blood, Revelation 1.5. If we do not have the blood of Christ availing in our lives, collectively speaking, we're lost. Individually, if the blood of Christ has not cleansed me of sin, I'm lost. And bear in mind, Jesus came to seek and to save the lost. Luke 19, verse 10. So those who have never obeyed the gospel, they'll be lost. Paul in 2 Thessalonians chapter 1 speaks of the second coming of Jesus. He speaks of Jesus coming with the angels of his power, rendering vengeance on them that know not God and that obey not the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. It is a serious thing to reject the gospel because the gospel is what saves us. And then there is a second class of people that the Bible identifies as lost. And they are people that have obeyed the gospel, but for whatever reason have, cho have chosen to go back into the world. In 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 15, Peter talks about people that have forsaken the right way. In verse 20, he said, after we have escaped the corruptions or the pollutions that are in the world through the knowledge of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. He said, if we are again entangled therein and overcome, the latter end is worse than the first. He said, it would have been better for us not to have known the way of righteousness than after having known it to turn from the holy commandment delivered unto us. You see, it's a dangerous thing to leave the Lord. The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 10, it is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of a living God. And in that context, he's talking about people that potentially could have gone back to Judaism. The book of Hebrews is written to show the superiority of the law of Christ to the law of Moses. And what the writer was saying is, it is a thing fearful beyond belief to die unprepared to meet God. Secondly, what about the agony that will characterize this place called hell? I want to suggest that Hell will be a place of agony because of revelation. The only way that I can know anything about this place called Gehenna, the hell of fire, is by the revelation of God's word. When I read and study this book, then I am afforded a glimpse into this abode. So what about the place called hell. What does the Bible say? Well, Jesus said in Mark 9, in our verse, in the verses that we're looking at, it is a place of unquenchable fire. That's what he said in verse 43. And again in verse 45. In verse 
46, and so on. Not only is it a place of unquenchable fire, the Bible tells us in Revelation chapter 21, verse 8, it is a place of fire and brimstone. Brimstone typically being associated with sulfur. The picture is that of a suffocating, nauseous, intoxicating odor. So we have an unquenchable fire, a lake that is burning with fire and brimstone. And then in Matthew chapter 25 at verse 30, Jesus pictures hell as a place of darkness or outer darkness. In that same verse, it is described as a place where there will be weeping and the gnashing of teeth. The word gnashing carries with it the idea of clenched. I think about people that are gritting their teeth because of pain, because the suffering is so intense. You've seen people like that. They're hurting so badly, they're grinding or gritting their teeth. That's a picture Jesus is using here. And then the Bible talks about the fact that hell will be a place of unfulfilled lust. Think for a minute about some of the quote-unquote addictions people have. There are some folks that are enslaved to alcohol, others to some type of chemical substance. In hell, individuals will have, as we say, unsatisfied lust. There will be no bars in hell. There will be no drug dealers in hell. And so the craving, that intense craving will be there. But there'll be nothing to satisfy it. And then I think about hell being a place of lost opportunities. You remember in Luke 16 when Jesus pictured the rich man and Lazarus? And he talked about how in the Hadean realm, in that place called Tartarus, the rich man lifted up his eyes, and the Bible says, being in torment. In verse 25, Jesus said to him the long ago that Father Abraham said to the rich man, Son, remember that you in your lifetime received good things. The haunting, searing, continual thoughts. I should have obeyed the gospel. I should have been a faithful child of God. I knew what the Bible said. I knew what Jesus said. I knew what my parents said. I knew what my grandparents taught me. Here's the sad part. There are no second chances. There are no do-overs. You see, once you step out into that eternal region, all of those opportunities to have obeyed the gospel, to get right, to live right, to be faithful, all of those opportunities 
are now gone, and they're gone forever. Which leads me to another thought. Not only will hell be a place of agony because of revelation, but also because of its duration. You see, when we talk about the subject of hell, we have to understand that we're talking about a place that will go on forevermore. In Revelation chapter 20, at verse 10, John pictures those who will one day reside in hell. And he said they will be tormented, listen to him, day and night, forever. And then, note if you would, for the sake of emphasis, he says not only will they be tormented day and night forever, but he said, and ever. As if to say, let me tell you what, you step out into eternity, you're unprepared to, to meet Almighty God, you're going to spend eternity forevermore in this awful, horrific, ungodly place. Let me just say, you don't want to go to hell. You can't afford to go to hell. When I think about what the Bible has to say about this subject, it is enough to cause nightmares. Because we're not talking about a fable, we're not talking about fiction, we're not talking about folklore, we're talking about divine truth. This is what the Bible has to say about the subject. In Matthew 25, when Jesus talks about eternity and the judgment to come, speaking of those who are outside the realm of spiritual safety, in verse 46, he said, These shall go away into everlasting punishment. Now, you just think about that. Can you imagine being in a place where the pain and the horror is unrelenting? It is, as John said, day and night, forever and ever and ever and ever. That's what we're talking about. Now, thirdly, how can we avoid this place called hell? Is it possible for us to live in such a way so that one day, rather than hearing the words, depart from me, you cursed, into everlasting fire, we'll hear the Lord say, well done, good and faithful servant. Well, the answer is yes. First of all, I want you to think for just a moment about God's desire for us. The Bible says in 1 Timothy chapter 2 at verse 4 that God would have all men, note if you would what he says, God would have all men, male and female, to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. Again, Peter said, God is not willing that any should perish, that all should come to repentance, 2 Peter 3, verse 9. Jesus said, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. 
For God sent not the Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. The world was under condemnation. Jesus didn't come to condemn, he came to save. So I want you to leave here today knowing this. God in heaven wants you to be saved. Paul said that God spared not his own son, but freely gave him up for us all. God gave his son for you and me. God's heart of hearts, his desire is the salvation of all people. But here's the reality of the matter. It's up to us to decide whether or not we will avail ourselves of his saving grace. God wants us to be saved. God said explicitly he wants us to be saved. Ezekiel, that great prophet of God in the long ago, said on behalf of God that he takes no pleasure in the death of the wicked. God does not delight in people living in a lost condition. And the fact that people will be lost brings him no joy. As a matter of fact, I believe it breaks his heart when people say no. So, that's the will of God. But what about this thought? Are there some guideposts for us? In other words, has the Lord provided a way for us to avoid the path that leads to destruction? The answer is yes. Let me just cite for you three things very quickly. Number one, stay in his word. If you'll stay in this book that we call the Bible, you see the Bible is a roadmap, it's a compass. The psalmist said, your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my pathway. If I read and study and meditate on the truth of Almighty God, I can make my way to that city which has foundations, whose builder and maker is God. But the only way I can get there is by following this book. You see, I have to walk in harmony with this book, and I have to take this book and live it out in my daily life. You remember the psalmist said, Your word have I laid up in my heart that I might not sin against you in Psalm 119.11. So number one, stay in this book and make sure that your life is in harmony with this book. In Revelation chapter 22, verse 14, here's what John said. Blessed are those that do his commandments, that they may have right to the tree of life and enter through the gates into the city. You want to go to heaven? You want to avoid hell? Here's what you need to do. Obey his word. Number two, stay in worship. I want you to think about the world in which we live. The Bible says the world lies in darkness. If I'm going to combat the forces of evil and the influences of the world, I need to associate with people of like faith, as Peter talked about in 2 Peter chapter 1, 1. I need my spiritual battery recharged in worship. Because you see, when I come on the first day of the week or when I come back on Sunday night or when I come back on Wednesday night, what I am doing is providing myself with spiritual ammunition to fight the world. I don't know anybody that doesn't need to be in the presence of God and his people on a regular basis. 
If you're not here on Sunday night or Wednesday night, you're letting the devil get a foothold in your life. It's just that plain. You need to be here. If you're not here, you're giving the devil opportunity to sow havoc in your life. And then thirdly, stay in the work. There's an old phrase that we have used on many occasions. An idle mind is the devil's workshop. Get involved in the work. Find something to do and be about the Lord's work. Paul said, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. When people forget to come to worship, or fail to come to worship, or forget to read the word, or fail to get involved in the work. They are open season for the devil. And let me tell you what. The devil is unrelenting. The Bible says be sober, be vigilant. Your adversary, the devil, walketh about as a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. The devil wants to do one thing, you know what that one thing is? He wants to destroy your spiritual life. The devil, unlike God, takes pleasure in people rejecting the gospel and living unfaithfully because you know why? Because he knows if you don't live faithfully, if you don't, if you don't obey the gospel, you are hell bound. He knows that. Sometimes we have to be straight up. We need to understand. Peter said with regard to the devil, whom we stand steadfast in the faith. Please listen very carefully. I need all the help I can get. I am not infallible. I'm just an ordinary person. Just an ordinary Joe, so to speak. And so I've got to use the tools at my disposal to live faithfully. I've got to stay in his word just like you've got to stay in his word. I've got to stay in worship just like you need to. I've got to stay in the work just like you. We want to go to heaven. I want to ask you a question in closing. When it's all said and done, and the curtain drops, and we stand before Almighty God, what will he say? Is he going to say to you, well done, good and faithful servant? Or will Jesus say to you, depart from me, you cursed, into everlasting fire? What about you? What's the Lord going to say, those of you that are parents? What will he say to your children? What's he going to say to your grandchildren? What's he going to say to your, what's he going to say to your mate? What's he going to say to your neighbor? What's the Lord going to say to the person sitting next to you? More importantly, what's the Lord going to say to you? You better think about it. And you better think about doing the will of God if you're not. 
The Bible says, it is appointed unto man once to die, and after this cometh the judgment. If you're not ready, let me tell you what, if we need to stay here all afternoon, we'll do that. We'd be more than happy to baptize you into Christ for the remission of your sins. If you need the prayers of the church, we'd be happy to pray on your behalf. I want to beg you today, in an assembly this size, I would suspect that there are people here, some of you here, you know in your heart of hearts, were you to step out into eternity right now, you don't have one prayer. You know, you're lost. You're condemned. You know if the Lord were to come today or if death would intervene in your life, you know without a shadow of a doubt your final abode is Gehenna, the hell of fire. Don't leave here today. I beg you, I plead with you. Don't leave here today unprepared to meet God as we stand and sing.